Hi, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Royal Lions Radio. I'm your host, Bill DeFilippo, joined today by my co-host, Nick Pollock. Nick, what's going on? Nothing much. Ready to talk about Penn State football like things are normal. Uh, yeah, to uh, whatever extent they are normal, we will discuss Penn State football uh, like... Like everything is just all, all all good, all fine and dandy because we're getting back into our season position preview podcast. Uh, if you remember uh, a few months ago before the Big Ten opted to postpone its uh, 2020 season, we were going through position by position, breaking down how Penn State looked at those, how Penn State uh, projects at those, who they lost, all those sorts of things. Uh, and our last one was a combined offensive line and tight end podcast that looks a little bit different in retrospect because we uh, thought Pat Fryermuth was going to be coming back, uh, but we weren't sure if any potential postponement was going to throw a wrench in that plan. But basically everything from those earlier podcasts remains the only podcast we have left to do that could look a little bit funky is obviously linebacker because of the departure of Micah Parsons, but that's going to be the next one that we do. We're going to be jumping back into these previews today by talking about Penn State's defensive line, a really good unit, really talented unit, a unit in a bit of uh, flux, Nick, both because of personnel along the line and who is going to be uh, leading them from the sideline or from the booth, wherever he is going to sit. But I generally think, despite the fact that I don't think this, I think of Penn State's three units on defense, this actually might be the one I have the most questions about, but I still feel pretty good about what the Nittany Lion defensive line can do during this 2020 season. Yeah, it's a little strange because at the same time, I agree there are definitely legitimate questions about the defensive line, but it also wouldn't at all be surprising to see it be the best layer of the defense when all things are said and done. Um, and that's kind of interesting because looking back the last few years, there really haven't been any questions about the defensive line. And that's usually because there's a surefire top couple round pick guy. Like it's been Utah Gross Matos. You had Sharif Miller before that. You had uh, guys like Garrett Sickles and Ryan Buckles, just all these established guys. And while there is definitely an established guy in this group with Shaka Tony, it's, it's odd that no one's really talking about the defensive line in the same light because I mean, from where I'm sitting, I, this could very easily be one of the best defensive lines Penn State has had. It's so interesting because I feel, I, I think you're completely right. I feel like the defensive line has been the, um, of Penn, of Penn State's uh, just various areas under James Franklin, going back to his first team where it was Austin Johnson uh, and Anthony Zettel, and eventually Carl Nassib comes along and turns into uh, a first team all Big Ten, Big Ten defensive lineman of the year caliber guy, it's always felt like Penn State's defensive line has enough known commodities, enough really, really, really good players that you're never, you're, all you think is, okay, you don't need, um, you know, uh, you know, looking at Penn State's defensive line, you don't need Jason Owe to become that super mega freak of nature on the line. This year, they have talent uh, they have a, a pair of established guys. I mean, they bring back two starters in uh, Antonio Shelton and Shaka Tony. We'll talk about them in a little bit. But I don't know about you, Nick. I think the thing that interests me so much is that this is the group where it feels like you're banking on 
talent to develop and become contributors, but also there is so much talent along the defensive line, whether they be uh, a guy who's been to the program forever like a Shane Simmons or a younger dude like an Adissa Isaac, where there are just so many bites at the apple that I have to think that there are going to be guys who, even if this is their first year playing more than just fringe rotation snaps, they're going to be really, really good contributors. Yeah, I think more than maybe any other position, Penn State just really, under James Franklin, has really fallen into this uh, this zone of when they recruit defensive linemen, particular defensive ends, they don't as much care about kind of their uh, technique and their refinement as high schoolers. They're, they're perfectly comfortable with just with just saying, let's go get the most freak athletes we can find and let's turn them in what well, turn them into what we want to turn them into along the end. And I mean, some great examples of that are guys that you mentioned, like Jason Owe and Adisa Isaac. And then, I mean, the last few freshman classes, you guys got guys like uh, Smithville Bear, Bryce Mistel, I mean, Vanover, like those guys are just, they very much fall into that same uh, group. And I think what that leads to is that you don't, I mean, the front four here, the top four, I think are pretty well established. Like you mentioned with Tony Shelton and then PJ Mustafer and Jason Owe, those four are pretty much as clear cut starters as really any, any positions on the team, I think. But when you recruit just so many high ceiling freak athlete dudes, I think just what ends up happening and what's ended up happening on the current roster is you just end up with, you, you end up with less of a divide between class orientation so it's not so much worrying about getting senior snaps it's not so much about um like this guy's been on campus this many years he's this far ahead when you recruit just pure athletes like this they just develop at completely different rates and it it really doesn't matter so that's how you end up with guys like isaac and fred hansard and judge culpepper and shane simmons and nick tarburton and um, maybe guys like hakeem beeman anais hawkins devon ellies smithville bear i bet we'll see like all of these guys are perfectly capable of uh, of adding production to this Penn State team right now because they like they they're all freaks. They all are complete athletic marvels, and they've all been coached up and up coached up enough to the point that they can hold their own on the field. And they're such freak athletes that they're going to beat some offensive tackles and interior linemen just on their pure athleticism alone. So I think that's how you that's how you get to where Penn State's at now with so many people ready to contribute, and it's a great problem to have. Yeah, I mean, the one it, it's funny because I think the most pessimistic read on the defensive line that you could possibly make, aside from the replacing uh, a coach in Sean Spencer who did magnificent things during his tenure in Happy Valley. The most pessimistic take that I think you can have about the defensive line is that you're, you're banking on uh, some, some not known commodities to take steps forward and become contributing factors. But like you mentioned, you just ran through some of the names. And I think outside of Smith Vilbert, everyone that you mentioned was either a four or a five star. Uh, Aeneas Hawkins might not have been, he, he might've been a very high three star, but they, there are just so much, so many guys there uh, with a coach in John Scott, who his reputation seems to be, you know, kind of similar to Phil Troutwine, where you don't know what he is as a recruiter, but you know, or Taylor Stubblefield, apologies, uh, where you don't necessarily know what he is as a recruiter, but you, he has a reputation for being a really good coach and good at coaching up talent. 
it seems like there is reason to be really optimistic about what this group could do, even though, Nick, we're going to start with a pair of guys who they have to replace in a pair of dudes who had earned all Big Ten honors throughout their tenures in Happy Valley, Robert Windsor and Yitor Grossmatos, both of whom made the jump to the NFL. And I my guess my question is, are these guys replaceable? And if so, who is it by? Is it by one guy stepping into their role and doing something? Or is it by uh, a bit of a collective coming together to accrue and make up for the fact that with Yitor Grossmatos gone, you have to replace uh, 15 and a half tackles for loss and nine and a half sacks? Yeah, I think with Robert Windsor's spot on the interior, I think that's going to be a lot easier to replace. Uh, I know he was an all-Big Ten performer last year, but I think we can all agree that he didn't quite reach the ceiling that we thought he was going to reach in his final season on campus. Still a great player, but I think I think P.J. Mustafer has a higher ceiling than Windsor does. Um, I think Antonio Shelton is perfectly fine as a one-tech in that role. I think if maybe Fred Hansard is able to really step up and maybe take over that spot at some point. That'd be great too. But I think Windsor's uh, production is, is replaceable by what Penn state has on the inside. I think replacing gross Matos is a different story. Um, but I think it's one that Penn state can easily deal with. And I think it just comes down to the combination of Jason Owe and Shane Simmons. I, one of the great things about Utah gross Matos was that he was equally as effective as a run defender, as a pass rusher, and what do you have with Jason Owe and Shane Simmons? You have in Jason Owe, you have a guy who looks like he can be an elite level pass rusher. And in Shane Simmons, you have a guy who looks like he can or has been a pretty elite level run defender. So, yeah, obviously you don't know what the play is going to be before the snap happens. So it's not like you can put them in the perfect situations both times and use them both exactly when you want to. But you have two guys who can do both of those things that Gross Matos did at an elite level. So I think when you combine those two and what they're going to give you, it may not equal what Gross Matos did, and it won't equal the impact that he had on the rest of the line as far as commanding double teams, but you could be much worse off than Penn State is when it comes to replacing him. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you look at it, this, well, with first off with Windsor, like he was a very, very good player. His what he was able to accomplish down the stretch during the 2018 season was magnificent. He had was just so good. And I think that anyone expecting him, uh, expecting whomever steps in for him to be able to replace that kind of production, uh, he had seven and a half sacks during the 2018 season and 11 tackles for loss compared to uh, three and a half sacks and, uh, five tackles for loss in the 2019 season. Was he hurt, Nick? Did he have, was he banged up at any point? I vaguely, I, I think he might've been, but I can't remember off the top of my head. I feel like I maybe remember him missing a little bit okay. of time. I'm not positive. Yeah. I can I, look while you're talking. Right. I mean, the, the season ended, you know, five and a half years ago. So who actually knows? But that, I mean, that's basically what, what I mean. Like, I think that, if you get production out of your defensive tackle, that is what Robert Windsor did last year, where he's a very solid, very respectable player, gets into the backfield and causes a little bit of a ruckus, uh, eats up space, make things a little bit easier for the 
makes things a little bit easier for Penn State's linebackers to kind of just have room to roam if they blitz or anything like that. I think that you take that and and you're very happy with that. And obviously, if you were able to get something a little bit closer to um, what he got the year before, you very obviously take that. But regardless, I think if PJ Mustafer, who is just such a he's a guy that they've brought along the right way. Uh, you know, you're going to be behind these dudes. You're going to cut your teeth behind these dudes. We're going to get you more and more time as time goes on. And eventually you're going to slide in a position. I think he's capable of doing that. I think he's a really talented football player and he's going to be able to give Penn state something, I think very similar, if not a little bit better than what Windsor gave them. And then with Yitor Gross Matos, the thing with him from last year, and I say this as someone who thinks he was a fantastic, fantastic football player, uh, and someone who is going to be very hard to replace on his own was that for how good he was and how good he was capable of being, when you go back and look at his stats, of his nine sacks, four and a half of them came against Purdue and Idaho. Five of them came against Purdue, Idaho, and Buffalo. He did kind of seem to me, Nick, like he was in, uh, you know, he was stuck in first gear for much of the season until that Ohio State game where he just, he played like someone who knew the lights were on and he was trying to, this is going to sound so much worse than I want it to be, but he knew that that was a chance for him to show out in front of a national audience, in front of NFL teams that are going to be watching all of that. And I'm not saying that he uh, wasn't trying for the rest of the season, but I think if we saw the Yitor Gross Matos that Penn State had against Ohio State, for whatever reason, all season long, that's going. That's a guy that Penn State is not going to be able to replace. Like the, the guy who had two sacks, three and a half tackles for loss, nine tackles in total against Ohio State is the kind of guy that for as high as I am on Jason Oa, on Adisa Isaac, all that, I just don't know if Penn State can replace this year. But having said that, I think that some combination of Jason Oa, of uh, Adisa Isaac, of you know, as we, as I'm going down, up and down the roster, whatever they're able to get out of Smith Vilbert, whatever they're able to get out of a guy like a Nick Tarber in just that, those, just the pure numbers game, I think they're going to be able to replace the numbers that Gross Matos has, whether that means they replace the presence that he has being dealt, you know, the double teams he faced, the fact that they had offenses had to pay more attention to him. And maybe that made things easier for everybody else. I don't know. But I think that there is going to be just enough opportunities for guys to replace the numbers that he had, that they're going to do that. And a reason that I think that's going to happen is because of the guys that Penn State is bringing back, uh, Antonio Shelton and Shaka Tony. And I suppose with Antonio Shelton, it can be Antonio Shelton slash PJ Mustafer, because, you know, Penn State basically used Mustafer as more a third starter than a first backup. I think that they are all good enough. And even if with a guy like Shelton, who, you know, knock, no knock on him. I don't think he's the most talented dude in the world, but he plays incredibly hard. He brings an edge that I think really helps. And I think that what Penn State has in those two or three dudes, depending on how you want to view Mustafa Nick, is reliability 
solidity and guys who you can kind of pencil in what you're going to get from them on a given game. And that makes it a little bit easier to say, okay, we can take a risk with this dude or that dude. And even if they don't show up, we know what we're going to get from Antonio Shelton, PJ Mustafer, and Shaka Tony. Yeah, I agree. I think it gives it gives the defense a lot of flexibility along the defensive line as far as getting guys time because like you said, we we know what Antonio Shelton is. He's the he's what Curtis or he's what Parker Cawthorn was for Curtis Cawthorn. He's just that dude that's going to help plug up the middle. He's not going to be a I mean, I'd be surprised if he ever ended a season with more than two sacks at the most, but he's going to do his job. He's going to plug up the middle. He's going to try to occupy two blockers if he can and that's what he does. That's what he'll continue to do. And really that that's his floor. He can only get better from there. Um, same with PJ Mustafer. I mean, we, we know what PJ Mustafer can do both as a run stopper and a pass rusher. And we've, we've already seen the worst of him. Like we've seen his, what his absolute floor is and it's pretty damn high. And he has so much talent. He could still get so much better this year that there's nowhere to go for him, but up and Shaka Tony at, I mean, I'm tempted to say we've seen his best, but he's also gotten better every single year. So I don't think there's any reason why we couldn't see another jump from him. Those three just, they've been so consistent for Penn State that uh, say you have Jason Owe not playing as well or say uh, the team's going really run heavy and you need to get someone else in there. There should be zero problems with Rotate, rotating into Shane Simmons on that side or say uh, they just want to get Adisa Isaac some run and maybe he he gives a little overmatched, but it's okay because the other three guys are doing their thing. It's their, what is returning for Penn state is very solid, very reliable. And I think that's going to provide a great opportunity to get other guys run uh, as part of a normal rotation throughout the season. So I guess my question, the, the question that I have with them and let's go one, two, three, uh, we'll, we'll go in alphabetical order. PJ Mustafer, Antonio Shelton, Shaka Tony. What do you think we need to see out of all three of them individually, whether it is in terms of what kind of numbers you want to see, what kind of presence you want to see, um, you know, do you want them to win awards? Like, what do you think with PJ Mustafer, Antonio Shelton and Shaka Tony, realistic expectations should be for Penn State fans? I think for Mustafer, I think you are well within your right of reasonableness to expect four sacks as a floor for him. Uh, I think he's worked really hard uh, just in terms of his, uh, his hand fighting game. I think he's going to be a real factor on the interior. I think he's going to do some great work with collapsing pockets on the inside. He's going to be a guy that you see in the backfield a lot, especially if Shelton next to him is able to do his job. And we'll get to that in a second, but for Mustafer, I think it's totally reasonable to expect four sacks as the the absolute floor, with definitely definitely the potential for more. Like I, I, I think it's pretty. I think it's well within the possibility for him to put up like a, a Jordan Hill last season at Penn State type year. Hmm. Uh, I mean, my, pretty pretty similar yeah. players. Too. I, I mean, with him, I like I think that the reasonable thing to expect is that he takes some sort uh, of step forward. Last year, he had 37 tackles. Uh, he had four and a half tackles for loss. And he had, uh, give me a second, the numbers up here. He had one sack. Um, 
I think that with more playing time mixed with the just raw talent that he has as a recruit, like I don't think that he, you know, Shane Simmons would be higher, maybe one or two other guys would be higher, but I think we sometimes forget Mustafer was the number 78 recruit in the country. He was a high four-star recruit. He's a really, really talented guy. And I think that as he um, has another, you know, more time in the program, more uh, more time in the strength and conditioning program, he's 6'4", 308 pounds. He's a guy who I don't think we've seen his ceiling yet, but I think that it's reasonable to expect that he is going to make a jump this year. And he is going, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say that he's going to turn into like senior year Austin Johnson or anything like that. But I think he's, he is going a kind the kind of guy who is going to take a step forward and be a very, very reliable option along Penn state's defensive line, moving to Antonio Shelton, Nick. uh, Again, I mentioned my general thoughts on him. I don't think he's a guy that you go in saying like, all right, he's going to get a tackle for a loss. He's he's going to get two tackles for a loss. He's going to get a sack. He's going to get six tackles and he is going to anchor Penn State's defensive line. But I think that it's probably, you know, neither of us are in there, but I think it's probably fair to say that dude is the emotional leader of that defensive line group. And even if his numbers don't end up being uh, the stellar, crazy, uh, all American type things. Uh, he, you know, last year he had 17 sack, uh, 17 tackles, not 17 sacks. That would be, uh, remarkable Four tackles for loss and half a sack. I think he's a guy that you're happy going into battle with him because at the very least, you know that he's going to fight. You know that the person who is blocking him is going to have a really difficult time. And he seems to really take pride in kind of setting the bar of what your level of effort and what your level of fight needs to be if you want to contribute along Penn State's defensive line. Yeah, I think as long as he's doing his job as a team leader and as long as he is occupying space in the middle, that's really all... That's all he needs to do to provide major value to this offense, to this defensive line. Uh, like you said, he's not he's not the type that's going to go out and pile up the sacks. He's probably not even going to ever pile up the tackles. It's just his main job is to eat space in the middle of the defense and make it difficult for running backs to find lanes inside. And to really do that effectively, all he needs to do is do what he did last year. Like he's the one guy on this defensive line that if he doesn't take a notable step forward, I think Penn state's still okay. Like what he provided last year and knowing the talent around him, then I think that a reasonable expectation for him is potentially even that he stays the same as he was last year. And in which case that would be just fine for Penn state. Just please don't spit on anyone else, and then we're good. <laughs> Unless, and Nick is going to disagree with me here, they really deserve it. Uh, and then the last uh, returning starter on the defensive line is the guy that, of the guys who are coming back who played a ton of football, uh, who you can, whose name you can write in pen as a starter along the defensive line, uh, is Shaka Tony. He is a guy, last year, 41 tackles, uh, was third on the team in tackles for loss with eight, was second on the team 
uh, in sacks with six and a half. Those la- those second and third ones, uh, the only guy ahead of him in tackles for loss were Micah Parsons and Yitor Grossmatos. The only guy ahead of him in sacks uh, was Yitor Grossmatos. He is going to be Penn State's uh, best returning uh, guy at getting into backfields and causing havoc. Nick... He's played a whole lot of football for Penn State. He's been in Penn State's program for... (laughs) He's one of two guys along the defensive line who has seemingly been in Penn State's program forever. What do you expect out of him in his final year in Happy Valley? Like I touched on earlier, we've seen him get better every single year. Uh, If I remember correctly, let's see, I have it right here. Last year, he had six six and a half sacks. I don't think it's unreasonable to peg him for... Seven, eight sacks. I could see. I could see eight pretty easily. I, I, I'm not sure if there's a more underappreciated player by the fan base on the entire roster than Shaka Tony. I think. I don't think a lot of people realize how just solid of a player he's become. Uh, especially because early in his career, the big worry was that he'll he'd never be a very good run defender, and he he's taken a ton of strides in that department. He's he's a great overall edge defender at this point um but i think that he i think he's in for a big year i know there's been at least a few quotes i've seen where opposing coaches like anonymous things talking about how or even just coaches in uh before games last year talking about uh how good shaka tony is and how last year it wasn't just defending Utah gross matos you had to worry about both guys i i think that it's going to look less flashy than what happens on the other side with jason owe but I think Shaka Tony could very easily put his name in for seven sacks, and I, I don't think that would at all be too ambitious of a prediction, personally. Yeah, I mean, he seems like a guy who is going to match talent with productivity. I mean, last year uh, was a second-team All-Big Ten selection uh, by the conference's coaches, and he's a guy that, I even if he, he just kind of stays... I don't want to say the same, but he stays similar to what we saw out of him last year. That that's a really, really impressive year that he put forth for a guy along the defensive line, and I, like I think it's very reasonable to think that he's going to be a bit of a handful, even if he has like the gross motto sort of thing where. Uh, defenses start throwing two guys at him more frequently or, you know, a tackle and a tight end or a running back is getting more involved in blocking him. I I think that Tony, even if one of two things are going to happen, either one is productivity is going to stay essentially the same, maybe get a tiny bit better, or two, he's going to attract more attention and make things easier for everybody else. And I think if you are James Franklin, you are Brent Pry, you are John Scott, you are going to take either of those outcomes because that's a really, really good result for Penn State, either individually or as a team. Moving on, though, and this is the thing that kind of hangs over uh, everything with Penn State's defensive line. There are so many guys who look primed to have big years for one reason or another, Nick. And I listed the four uh, that came to my mind uh, as we were mapping this out and talking about everyone. So I want to go through expectations for four dudes. We're going to go in the order that I have them listed, uh, starting with someone who I think that Every single Penn State fan is rooting for this dude uh, 
to go from, you, you know, he, he's had some injuries in his career. He hasn't always been able to get on the field in his career. But Penn State fans have been rooting for this dude forever. He's a guy that Penn State fans have, I think, rallied around. Him and his family have uh, provided a ton of optimism for Penn State fans. He's one of the, he was one of, or maybe the first, I, you know, it, it's been that long, big recruiting battles that James Franklin was able to win over other schools. And that's Shane Simmons, who is entering his final year in Happy Valley and I'm sure wants to use this year as a springboard to the NFL. Maybe not to the extent that Carl Nassib was able to do because that's a very unreasonable expectation to put on anyone. But in a manner of a guy who you know he has the talent and now he wants to show out in his last year en route to uh, hearing his name called by Roger Goodell somewhere down the line. Yeah, I, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely an interest. It's an interesting and different question because I, I know the Carl Nassib comparisons, obviously, or the Carl Nassib question is obviously an unrealistic one for several questions, but, or for several reasons, but Shane Simmons also never really profiled as just a true pass rush type guy. He's really more of an all around player. And I think it's hard for those guys to really have that noticeable, that noticeable breakout. Like, yeah, you, you appreciate guys that are able to play both the run and the pass, but it's really the guys that are going out and getting nine, 10 sacks. Those are like the, the catcher eye type players. And I don't think shit, I don't think Shane Simmons is ever, ever going or ever was going to be that player. But I, I think he can, I mean, he's a guy who definitely fits somewhere in the NFL. I think when you consider how much, uh, how much NFL defenses are starting more and more to account for crazier and more versatile offensive plays and offensive players. I think Simmons is a really versatile defender in his own right on the edge. And I think that that's somebody that you, you look for if you're an NFL team, that's a nice guy to have as depth. I think as far as what his Penn State kind of breakout looks like, like I said, I mean, it's not going to be big sack numbers, but it's going to be the kind of guy that you can put in on any type of play and he'll hold his own. He'll shut down the running game and yeah, he could get in there and get a sack once or one or blah, once in a while, but that's just not the main part of his game. And I think that, I mean, I'm trying to think of a guy recently that, I mean, really, he's kind of like a lesser Shaka Tony in that way. He's probably a little bit of a better run defender than Shaka Tony is and a worse uh, worst pass rusher, but he's just a really solid overall player. And I think that's something that is hard for fans to see when guys like that break out. But he's the kind of guy that when you go back afterwards and look at what he did, you'll be like, oh, yeah, wow. It really, it was really nice having him there. Real quick, Shane Simmons trivia. In his time as a Penn State Nittany Lion, how many sacks does he have in his career? Uh, I'm going to guess... Oh man, because he's been hurt so much. I'll say he—he's been four. on. The, he has been on the team since 2016. Uh, I'm just throwing that out there. I'm gonna say four. You're gonna say four. The answer is one. Mm. It came in the 2017 Michigan State game. Oh well, that's fun. No, that that's well, a, that's well, a fun game to think about. Well, I was going to say no, Nick. Nothing about the 2017 Michigan State game is fun in any way, shape, or form. Uh, but it, it, it's wild. He's been around for so long, and we've been waiting so long for his body. Like 
he's one of those guys who his body has betrayed him over the course of his career. And you really he's he's been around so long that it was surprising when he chose Penn State over Florida State. I I remember I, I might have been with you when this happened. When he it was like 2016, he was still recruit, and I remember sitting at Liberty. And, you know, on College Avenue in Lovely State College, Pennsylvania, and seeing Shane Simmons and his family walk past and thinking that guy's going to be a player for us. He had been long committed to Penn State. So, no, it might have been 2015. And my God, like, Shane Simmons is. I think you're right. I think I do remember this, actually. Like, he has just been such a fixture in Penn State football to one extent or another during the James Franklin tenure, during James Franklin's tenure. And I just, like, Beyond any sort of rational thing, I might think, I'm just rooting for this dude, man. Like, I want to see Shane Simmons cap off his career with a bang. If he can get to a point where he is basically, I, I don't want to say the third starter, uh, because I, I think the defensive ends are probably pretty solid in who they're going to be, uh, Shaka Tony and the guy we're going to talk about in a minute. I just want to see him get on the field and make an impact to whatever extent he can. And if he's able to make enough of an impact, he's a dude that looks the part. He's 6'3", 247 pounds. He's, you know, he's just someone who knows what they're doing out there. I feel like whatever numbers he ends up putting up, and I do think that he isn't going to have... I don't think he's going to have a year that it's going to make people go, oh, yeah, that dude was a five-star. That guy was a uh, monumental recruiting win for James Franklin. But I do think he's a guy who he's going to have some really nice moments this year. He's going to be someone who uh, is part of a very solid defensive end rotation for Penn State, whether that's as a guy who who shows stuff as a pass rusher or a guy who's out there on rushing downs, whatever it might be. I think Shane Simmons is going to have a very respectable season uh, for Penn State. Last year, he had 19 tackles. He had uh, he had two tackles for a loss. I think he's going to improve on both of those. And I just really I want to see him at the uh, you know next April hear his name called at some point in the NFL draft. Uh, moving on to another guy that I just cannot help but be fascinated by what he is able to do, Nick. Uh, that's a guy who, again, been in the program for a minute. Uh, he is going to be, this season, entering his redshirt junior campaign, another former four-star recruit, and that's Fred Hansard out of lovely Princeton, New Jersey. I, I don't think he's a guy, I, I don't think he's going to unseat either of Penn State's starting defensive tackles, but... I think as long as he is able to go out there and he is able to be someone who, if she, you know, if Shelton needs a breather, if Antonio Shelton needs a breather, if PJ Mustafer needs a breather, my guess is he's probably, uh, with, with how big he is, he's probably more of the guy who comes in to give Mustafer a bit of a breather. If he's able to come in and he's able to keep the ship steady uh, in those situations, I'm going to be really, really happy with what Penn State gets out of him, even no matter what his numbers end up saying. Yeah, I actually really liked what I saw from Fred Hansard last year. I thought he he did a really good job both being a run plugger, and he also showed a little bit of ability to get into the backfield a bit. Uh, I, I was really impressed with what I saw from him. His his thing is he just has to stay healthy. As, as long as he can stay off the injury sheet and as long as he can stay on the field, I think he'll make an impact. And uh, like, like you said, I think you meant to say uh, – 
he'll spell Shelton more than Mustafer. Um, but because I think that's where he that's where he fits best. I, th- I see Judge Culpepper more as Mustafer's backup personally. I but think. I, I think yeah, I, I really like Fred Hansard. I think if if he can stay healthy for the whole season, I think he's a guy you could potentially see stealing more and more snaps from Antonio Shelton as the year goes on. Uh, he's a guy I remember that when he came to Penn State, he was somebody who was looked at. I mean, he was a four-star kid, but he was somebody who was definitely looked at as probably needing a year or two to really, really get comfortable and really start to make an impact. And I believe last year was his third year on campus, if I remember third or yeah, he's he's, he's, a, he's, he's entering his red, he is entering his redshirt junior year. Yeah, so you know, the, I mean, the timing lines up. It makes sense that last year was the year where we really, really started to see him be a force. So I, as long as he can stay healthy, I. I think he could be a nice surprise for Penn State along the line. I think he could be someone who uh, could really, really cement his spot going forward beyond this year, too, and into next year. Yeah, I mean, with how Penn State likes to uh, rotate along the uh, uh, along the defensive line, he seems like a guy who, to one extent or another, is going to have opportunities to get on the field and you know, I don't think anyone is expecting him uh, to turn into the second coming of Aaron Donald or anything, even though I will be the first person to say it would be really nice if he was the second coming of Aaron Donald. But I think he's going to be a, a very good football, a very solid football player for Penn State. 15 tackles last year, four and a half tackles for loss, which is a, a nice number, uh, all things considered, and one sack. Moving on to kind of the ball of clay of this group, Nick, the a former four star, uh, a guy who, if it all clicks, I, I think it's going to click for all click from at some point. I don't know when it is going to all click, but I think it's going to happen at some point. But if Adisa Isaac uh, from Brooklyn, New York, is able to become the option off the edge that I think everyone believes he could potentially be. He's going to be a really, really, really good football player. Do you think that happens? Is that something that you think could happen this year? Or do you think it would be smart to be a little bit more patient as he's coming along in his development? I think that he's playing time-wise. I kind of see him falling in line with what Jason Owe got last year. But I think that Isaac could actually make more of an impact sooner than Owe did. I think Isaac was a little... Isaac was a bit more refined coming out of high school. I mean, Owe had only been playing football for, what, two years, I think, previous to getting to college. And I, I, if I remember correctly, that's not the case with Isaac. He's been a, he's been a football player for most of his life. Um, I, I don't think he's going to necessarily start stealing snaps from Tony or Owe unless one of them just completely blows. But I, I, think, I think we'll see him about as much as we saw Owe last year, but I think he will potentially put up a bit more production than we saw from OA. I would, I would say, I think, I mean, especially considering that he'll probably get most of his time in mop up time against like Rutgers and Maryland. And depending on how Nebraska looks, um, I think you could, I mean, I, I see a pretty reasonable path for him to be able to pick up like five sacks. Yeah. He seems, he seems like the guy who, uh, I mean, one thing that we've seen out of Penn State over the years, 
is the, and I don't know how uh, Sean Spencer's departure impacts this, if this is a Brent Pry thing, whatever it is, but they really have liked uh, sliding a defensive end in as their tackle on uh, passing downs. And he seems like a guy who, if they decide to slide someone in or, you know, maybe even put someone th- him there, he seems like someone who is able to get on the field in that situation, depending on, you know, a, a couple of factors. But I, I do agree generally with the thought that he seems kind of like the Jason Owe guy. Like, I really cannot foresee him starting any games, but I can absolutely see him getting plenty of run and maybe even having a couple of games where he is one of Penn State's better options along the defensive line with his uh, versatility, with his athleticism, with his raw talent, all that. He appeared in 11 games uh, last season, had 14 tackles, three tackles for loss, and one and a half sacks. Uh, he uh, a guy who I ju- I just think that if he gets on the field consistently and he is able to keep growing into his position, I think that he's a guy who could do some really special things. Uh, which also applies to the last guy that we're going to mention in this in line for a breakout and what do we expect out of him, and that's Jason Owe. And there seems to be a ton of buzz, uh, whether it is among Penn, you know the Penn State faithful, whether it's among uh, NFL guys trying to identify the next big defensive line talent. It seems like OA off of a year in which he had 21 tackles, five tackles for loss and five sacks, Nick. I don't want to tab, you know, I don't want to put un, you know, unreasonable expectations on him, but it seems like if everything comes together in the right way for OA, he could end up being the best player on Penn State's defensive line and one of the two or three best players that Penn State has on the defensive side of the ball this season. Yeah, I agree. I, I think when you look at the defensive linemen, in terms of the most uh, purely talented football player, it's Mustafer. But if you're looking for just the most talented athlete, it's Owe by a mile. Uh, he is just an absolute freak of a freak of a human being. And we've already seen in flashes what he can do as a pass rusher. Like obviously everybody knows that he still has work, work to do to refine his game overall. He's still, I mean, he's probably running on like just 70% speed and power at this point still. Uh, But if he can put all of it together, if he can really learn how to become a complete defensive end and just vary his pass rushing arsenal moves a little bit, he could very easily be one of the best pass rushers in the entire country. That's the kind of athleticism and the kind of upside that he has. And it's the reason that, I mean, not to put too much stock into NFL mock drafts by random people on the internet more than a year out, but that's the reason why you were seeing, well, less than a year out, but that's the reason why you were seeing people have him in the first round of mock drafts, even knowing that you were not potentially not even going to see him for this season. Like there's a reason why everybody is so in love with him. He's just a beast of a human being. And if he can just, if he can just have like two different ways to attack tackles, he's going to be an absolute nightmare for opposing quarterbacks. I, I'm going to choose to be more optimistic and I'm going to say that he puts it together and he 
gets really close to, if not passing, 10 sacks. Yeah, I was going to say double-digit sacks seems to be, uh, I don't want to say a reasonable expectation, I don't want to say an unreasonable expectation, but it doesn't seem like you're making a gigantic leap thinking that at 6'5", 253 with his athletic gifts, he is capable of getting to that point. Uh, Real quick, Nick, thoughts on Blair Academy, uh, the uh, prep school in New Jersey that he attended? I don't actually know anything about Blair Academy. I don't like him. Uh, Yeah, he seems like someone who... uh, I wonder if having these extra couple of months, uh, you know, to get to know John Scott, get to... uh, you know, put in a little bit, have a little bit longer of an off season. If he's the kind of guy that could really benefit from that, uh, but if it, it, it doesn't seem like he is going to uh, come out and within two games he can seem completely in over his head. The buzz around him that I think that anyone who has read anything about the program. Uh, and just internal expectations and stuff like that seems very, very real. And again, when you have NFL guys going, that kid hasn't played a ton of football, but he has the potential to be special. You don't want to put uh, all your stock into that, but people don't say that stuff for no reason. There is a reason that people are optimistic about what Jason Owe could do, and he seems like he is in position to make a lot of people look really, really smart by going out there and having a big season. Nick, outside of these guys, though, with how much raw talent, uh, how well Penn State has recruited along the defensive line over the years, there's still a bunch of options. Oh, and how many guys Penn State has liked to use in the past on the defensive line. There are lots of options for guys who are a little bit more under the radar that I think can make us excited. Uh, one or two guys for you who you think – if they're able to get extended run for the Nittany Lions, or even if they don't get extended run and we just see them over the course of, you know, a couple of snaps a game, you think is going to be able to either A, be a contributor this year, or B, show why they will be a contributor down the line? I think my first one's a fairly obvious one. It's Judge Culpepper. Um, he's a guy that we've been hearing about since he got on campus, I believe. I feel like I remember the first time I even heard news about him, it was somebody saying he was way ahead of where they thought he would be. He just, I'm not, I feel like we've heard nothing but positive reports, nothing of, nothing but he's surpassing expectations about him ever since he got on campus. It's just, it's just been a matter of there have been a lot of guys in front of him, and he's still just kind of putting some of the last pieces together. But now he's fully primed to be on the field a lot. He should be solidly in that second rotation with Fred Hansard on the among the defensive tackles and I think he's going to be in for a big year I I would I wouldn't be surprised to see him pick up a couple sacks here and there um, I, I think he's going to be a really talented player the other one I mean there Nick Tarburton's a good one but I'm going to go deep cut for my last one. I'm going to say Aeneas Hawkins because he's there a guy we go that, he's a guy that everybody everybody who followed him knew that it was going to be more of a process with him because he came to Penn State a bit undersized for a defensive tackle. But he comes in with just a massive amount of talent, both uh, we've seen the talent, you also know it's in his bloodlines, his, uh, what is he, his... Was it his cousin played in the NFL? Or he, he net, seemed, it or seems like he uncle? has like a million... Rel- I, I mean, Andrew Hawkins, uh, not... 
not Andrew Hawkins. Uh, who was the? Uh, no, it was Andrew Hawkins. The uh, the former wide receiver who played for the Bengals, I believe, is his cousin. I want to say. Yeah, and his uh, that his, sounds right. His, his dad is a. Uh, is his dad Artrell Hawkins? I can't remember off the top of my head. But th- yes, there, his dad is Artrell Hawkins. There is a lot of football in that family. He also has some sort of connection to Aaron Donald, too, if I remember correctly. I think. not Maybe maybe not a family connection, but like a close, close family friend connection type thing. Regardless, this kid's been around football his entire life. Uh, he has a ton of natural talent, a ton of God-given talent, and a ton of just talent and experience he's soaked in from those around him. And He's somebody that he's, I mean, it's his third year in the program now, I believe. He's had a lot of time to get to the playing weight he needs to be at. He's had a lot of time to work with Penn State's coaches. And uh, we don't know exactly where he's going to fall in the depth chart right now. But I think he, he could be someone that once he hits the field and gets a chance to show what he can do, I could see him moving up that depth chart pretty quickly. Yeah, I mean, those are both really good shouts. And they're a pair of guys who uh, I certainly would want to give some attention to. I'm glad you mentioned Tarburton too, because he's a dude who I think if he gets on the field, could be a bit of a bull in the China shop for Penn state. Uh, two dudes who I would like to see get a little bit of run. I don't necessarily know how much they would end up getting, but they're both redshirt freshmen. Uh, you've mentioned him once or twice in this podcast, but Smith Filbert, I, I, I mean, they're all, they're, he has some stuff you can't teach due to six, six, two forty six, uh, a good athlete and someone who, it might take a little bit of time to mold him into what he ultimately needs to be in order to compete in the Big Ten, but he's someone who I would like to see him get some snaps because I would like to see Penn State use uh, this season for him to get a bit more assimilated uh, to college football and prepared to uh, keep growing into his role. And then the other guy... Uh, I, I don't believe Vilbert played in uh, any games last season, but I don't remember off the top of my head. Maybe uh, like one or two just off of a... Let's see. Ah, he played in two games. So he was a true freshman who got a little bit of run. I'd like to see him build on that a little bit more. And then a guy who uh, did appear in a couple a couple of games uh, had some... You know, you know, he recorded a couple of tackles, and that's Hakeem Beeman, a redshirt freshman out of Virginia, uh, another one of those four-star recruit type of kids. Uh, either him or uh, Devon Ellis, depending on whichever one of them is able to get onto the field. I think they're both really talented kids, and I think they're guys who, uh, you know, I don't, I'm not, again, I'm not going to sit here and say that they are going to turn into Aaron Donald or anything like that, but I think they're talented. I think that they could be coached up, and I think that with how much talent Penn State has on the defensive line, if they want to take, uh, you know, they want to take guy A off of the field and put in a young guy and give them a series and let them get a sense for what big time college football is holding their hands to an extent as they grow into what they're going to be, uh, but mostly just letting them know this is what big-time college football is. We're not saying you're going to sink or swim based on your ability, based on how you do here, but you're going to figure out you need to get this kind of uh, understanding of what you need to do at this level. I think that would be a really, really smart move uh, for the Nittany Lions. And, and now that we've mentioned – a number of the players along there. Let's take a step back and look at it as a big picture thing before we end this podcast, Nick. Just your overall expectations for what 
you think Penn State's defensive line is going to be able to do this season? Yeah, so I think overall, I think this is going to be a better defensive line than what it was a year ago. Uh, you're replacing two stalwarts in Windsor and Utah Grossmatos, but I think when you factor in the fact, I personally believe that a full year of Mustafer will be better than what Windsor provided. Um, I think Tony's going to take another step, Owe's going to take another step, guys like Adisa Isaac behind him, and uh, Shelton at least staying the same as what he was. I think overall this is going to be a stronger defensive line than what it was in 2019. Um, how that how that actually manifests itself, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if they'll have a greater sack output. I, just from a quick count last year, I think the team had 46 and a half sacks last year. I don't know if they surpassed that this year. Well, they won't because it's fewer football games. But on a per-game basis, I'm not sure if they surpass that number or not. But I think that this group will have a greater impact on opposing offenses than last year's did. And I think a big question is whether whether somebody steps up and becomes the Utah Gross Matos in the sense that they start commanding double teams, whether it's somebody that's always commanding double teams on defensive line, or if it's or if teams just kind of have to spread it out and just deal with everybody deal with it as it comes and everybody kind of gets equal equal attention from a pup from the opposition and Everyone kind of gets a share. Everyone gets to eat a little bit. So I, I'm not sure exactly what it looks like, but I think the overall talent level is going to be stronger this year, and I think it's going to have a greater impact on opposing offenses. Yeah, I, I think kind of the, the thing looming over the defensive line, and it's something that we haven't really mentioned all that much in this podcast, was that last year's line came in with such high expectations but it felt like they never really reached them unless they were going up against a team that they could just completely overwhelm. Like I, I vividly remember watching that first half against Buffalo last year and thinking, what the hell is Penn State's defensive line doing? Like With the talent and with the bodies that they have, it seems like they should be able to push around this MAC team that has a good offensive line, but you know, shouldn't be able to dictate the trenches against a team like Penn State. And I feel like that's part of the reason why Penn State's defensive line isn't getting a ton of attention, a mix with a few other factors, isn't getting a ton of attention heading into the season. But I think that as long as they're just a really solid, really workmanlike group, you know, they're they're able to do the stuff that we didn't consistently see last year, or we didn't see as much as we thought we were going to last season. Pressuring and getting to quarterbacks, uh, not getting, uh, not letting running backs, not relying on uh, the safeties and the linebackers to kind of clean up for their messes, whether that was uh, by design and they just knew if you're getting to Pen- Micah Parsons, you know, that's bad news for you or what, I don't know. But I think as long as they're able to just give really steady, really consistent play, um, getting to quarterbacks on third down a little bit more would be extremely nice. But I'm not going to sit here and put numbers on sacks, on forced fumbles, on tackles for loss. All I want to see at a Penn State's defensive line 
is to be closer to the unit that we thought last year's was going to be, as opposed to what kind of the consensus was about last year's unit, which is that they just didn't quite live up to their expectations. And they have enough guys that I think they're going to be able to, one, pick and choose what their best combinations are up front, and two, live up to those, uh, you know, exceed that bar that uh, Nick and I just set. Uh, yeah, I, that that's really all I have to say about uh, Penn State's defensive line. Nick, is there anything that you'd like to add just, uh, just to close? No, I mean, it, this should be a fun group. I'm excited to watch these guys play. That makes two of us, and... Yeah, that, that's that. That's everything. I, I we're we're getting back into uh, back into the swing of things with football being back on the horizon, and we uh, want to thank you for listening to this podcast and joining us as we're uh, going on this fun and weird ride. Make sure you keep reading and supporting the site. Head over, buy some T-shirts, check out what we got going on. Uh, that's always a really big help. Make sure you're following us on our various social media channels. And if you like this podcast, please subscribe, whether it be Apple Podcasts, whether it be Spotify, whatever podcasting platform you want, it is probably on there. And if you're using Apple Podcasts, please go and leave us a five-star review. One last time, thank you very much for listening to this edition of Royal Lions Radio. For my co-host, Nick Polak, I'm Bill DeFilippo. Take care, everyone. Bye.